Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 79 of the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, and I'm pleased to be joined by my co-host, the editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick, on this Andre Markov edition? I'm doing really well. Um, <laughs> We we get into some interesting conversations before the show. We almost forget to start the show. They're so good. So I'm <laughs> expecting this to be a fa- fabulous show because our, our pre-show was excellent. Those are always the best shows where we almost forget to start it. And then, oh, oh, we have a show to do. We, this is what we're actually here to do. Uh, <laughs> just get lost in our own conversation. But yeah, this is going to be a uh, an interesting show today. Um, I've been waiting, as, as I said to you before we went on air, I've been waiting to get to episode 79 to say the Andre Markov edition of the Canadians Connection podcast. And I had thought back when, you know, I was wishing for this time to come that I could say that, that we would have some hockey to talk about. And, you know, the playoffs would, would have been started by now. We would have had that to talk about the end of the Montreal Canadiens season. But of course, as we all know, uh, we don't have that to talk about, uh, given, you know, the uh, coronavirus and, and its effects on, on the entire world. But in terms of a jam-packed show, we, we actually do have a, a lot to get to in terms of some Habs-related uh, related news and uh, an interesting topic that we're going to be discussing in segment two as well. But before we get there, Rick, we actually do have some news about today's, uh, the, the uh, subject of today's show, I guess you'd call it, Andre Markov, who... Uh, it doesn't appear that he will be returning to his current KHL club, Locomotive. So that's got some people thinking that he could be retiring, perhaps, at 41 years old. Yeah, the, that's that's the discussion. Nothing official from uh, Nothing the yet. Markov, yeah. uh, Markov camp. And um, it played just um, 23 games last, uh, well, uh, at this season that just ended, um, uh, the KHL has, uh, has ended their season. So just 23 games, uh, seven points um, in 2019-20, his uh, third season in, in the KHL. And that after, you know, an, an illustrious uh, 990 games uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, just a, a legendary defenseman. And, and during this, this time where there's no sports going on, one of the things that you see on Twitter, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is people sharing their most traumatic sports memories. And, and some of that has branched off into what was the, the, the saddest you've ever been that a player was traded or signed elsewhere. And I saw a lot of people saying that Andre Markov was actually the guy that when they he couldn't get to a thousand games and it would have been a thousand games with the Montreal Canadians. I mean, so rare that you see that um, it, it was, Andre Markov was a guy that I saw a little bit of uh, people saying that when I when I just searched him up on Twitter today. So certainly still on the minds of Montreal Canadiens fans. And yeah, uh, 41 years old. Um, and obviously we talked about him before this season. It even started because there was conversation about, hey, maybe 
he wants to go back to the NHL. He would like to play for the Montreal Canadiens if there's any interest. And unfortunately, it wasn't reciprocated. But uh, yes, Andre Markov, uh, today's uh, episode of the month of the Canadians Connection podcast uh, dedicated to Andre Markov. Um, and and I guess yeah. with with Markov too, the 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 part of the the sadness is just the way it ended up. Uh, it, yeah. Someone who was yeah. a loyal soldier for the Canadians for so many years uh, on so many bad teams um, and uh, just the way, uh, you know, the, the take it or leave it and the disrespect and uh, shown by Bergevin, it, it just wasn't befitting, um, you know, the, the, the reverence that Canadians had had for uh, Markov and, 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 uh, you know, uh, understandably so Markov was pretty hurt by that in, in all the uh, interviews afterwards. Uh, but still, uh, you know, as as you said, kind of swallowed that and and was willing to come back. And I, I guess the other part of it is, um, you know, without having a replacement once Markov was gone, once Sergachev was traded, uh, that left that glaring hole, and and um, you know, it it made that a bit that pill tougher to swallow. Yeah. For sure. And uh, some you know, fans still thinking about Andre Markov and how great it would have been to have seen him play that uh, 1000 game with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, Rick, uh, moving on a little bit, because as you know, it looks that Andre Markov won't be returning to that club in, in the KHL to locomotive and, and certainly his future uh, in some consideration at this point. Uh, a, Habs, a current Habs player, Charles Houdon who, you know, of course, we've, we've talked about Charles Houdon on this podcast, hasn't really found his footing in the NHL. Um, he's been great in the AHL when he's been down there. We saw him down there earlier this year, and he looked dominant down there. But it's never it hasn't really translated to the NHL on a consistent basis. And we've seen flashes of it, but nothing that's ever really materialized into consistency. Um, so now it looks as though, at least according to his agent, Elaine Waugh, that there's been some interest from, you know, some clubs over in Switzerland, the NLA and the KHL about potentially Charles Houdon going overseas. And I mean, at the age of 26, as Elaine Waugh alludes to, might be a, a time for him to to think about that with, of course, he, he only signed a one-year deal with the Canadians prior to this, prior to this season. So it uh, could be decision time coming up for uh, Charles Houdon. Yeah, um, uh, Houdon's agent, as you said, Alain Roy, um, w- made a re- was responding to uh, a report in um, a daily newspaper in Switzerland called Le Matin, and um, and they said that several teams in the NLA, uh, the, the top Swiss league, uh, were um, interested. Um, and that, uh, you know, uh, as as you said, well, also said about uh, the KHL uh, having some interest. Um, we should say that at this point, um, Charles Houdon is is a restricted free agent, so all control resides with with the Montreal Canadiens. If they choose to bring him back, if they choose to offer him uh, a qualifying offer, then um, you know they will have control. Uh, whether they will want that for the Laval Rocket uh, for the coming year uh, or not, that uh, remains to be seen. Um, Houdon had a great year uh, in the AHL, um, a bit of a scoring machine uh, with 27 goals and eight assists. 
uh, in 46 games uh, with the Rocket. Um, and But uh, you get the feeling that uh, Charles Houdon, his goal is to play in the NHL. He'd still like to field some offers. Uh, and if he's not offered a qualifying offer, then he becomes a free agent. He wants to explore his, his options in the NHL. Um, and, uh, you know, he he played a very basic game in in um, uh, the AHL this season. As he said, his, his development is kind of stopped. Um, his pursuit of being an all-round player has stopped. And Joe Bouchard asked him, just, just go out and shoot. Uh, and Houdon said, yeah, I can do that. Uh, and he'd shot pretty well with 27 goals, many of them on the power play. Uh, the one timer and, and uh, but he wants to move on and be a more complete player and contribute in different ways. Uh, probably uh, at this point with a different team. Yeah. And I mean, the, you, like I said, you, you've seen flashes of it. I remember a game earlier this year against the uh, New York Islanders where he just sniped one against them. And, and you see that, that he has a shot. He has the NHL caliber release uh you know it's it's not necessarily been there the the entire time that he's been with the Montreal Canadiens but I mean with a little bit of confidence that he got from going down and scoring like he did in the AHL maybe that was that that was what he needed but even then it's it's it just looks like he needs a fresh start somewhere else and uh and that might be the best thing for him at this point um but Rick with with one 25 year old potentially 26, well, 26 in, in the summer, but uh, with one young bl- uh, player leaving, uh, there's always new ones that are coming in. And Alexander Romanov has been on the minds of Montreal Canadiens fans since he was drafted. Uh, it's it kind of changed the course. They've changed their tune a little bit. At the time, it was a little bit more shocked that he was drafted when he was. And now he is viewed as being the Montreal Canadiens top prospect or at least top two prospect, depending on who you ask. And certainly with the hole in the left side of the defense that we've been talking about, the arrival of Alexander Romanov is something that Habs fans have been waiting for for a while. And it could be in the near future that we see Alexander Romanov play for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, when you, when you think about um, prospects outside uh, North America, uh, the, uh, uh, you, you have to think of Alexander Romanov, just 19 years old, but um, I think it's pretty clear uh, his his agent, spoke, Dan Milstein, uh, spoke this week to Sportsnet, and um, and it's pretty clear from what Mark Bergevin has said, uh, Trevor Timmons had uh, an interview, and uh, Romanov's agent, uh, that uh, there's no doubt that, that uh, Romanov is coming. Um, and uh, sooner rather than later. Now, the current rules uh, say that he can't be signed until May 1st. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk in a minute about whether the season is going to be returning, uh, w- w- resuming or not. And, and given the present rules, uh, he wouldn't be eligible to return if the, the, the 1920 season is, is uh, restarted. Uh, but those rules could change. But I, I think it's pretty clear that um, the Canadians will have him in the lineup uh, for the fall. Um, and so it's it's just a matter of when things get underway. Um, and there was there was one thing in that interview um, that he did with Sportsnet. I thought it was quite interesting that that um, Dan Milstein says uh, the team loves Romanoff. Uh, Mark Bergevin 
told Alex at dinner that the team has a name for him. The destroyer is what they called him <laughs> after, after the world junior championship. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I think the name fits given the way that he performed at the, uh, at the world juniors, he was dominant over there. And the one thing that I found really interesting too, was that Trevor Timmons compared his personality to Brendan Gallagher, which yeah. I mean, if there's anybody on the Montreal Canadiens, other than Shea Weber and Carey Price, but I mean, that's uh, but personality-wise, I think that if there's anyone that a fan would like to hear Alexander Romanov compared to, it, Brendan Gallagher would probably be pretty high up on that list, I would say, given just the fact that Brendan Gallagher is, has been sort of a heart and soul guy and is a well-respected individual in that room. So uh, that that was that was really interesting to hear uh, Trevor Timmons compare him to uh, to Brendan Gallagher. And I think that referred um, both yeah. to his his work ethic yeah. and also the fact that he's always got a smile on. He's always seems yeah. to be happy playing the game and and practicing and and he's just uh, just got that that grin on his face the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Montreal Canadiens would love to see that grin on their blue line, and it's yeah, according to Dan Milstein, it's going to be a, a when. Uh, more than an if question. So he, he wants to be an NHL player and the Montreal Canadiens uh, would love to have him, I would guess. Uh, it seems like given the uh, nickname that Mark Bergevin gave him. Um, but Rick, of course, you mentioned it. The sort of the elephant in the room here is that, okay, we're going to talk about Alexander Romanov playing on the blue line for the Montreal Canadiens. But that is dependent on when we get back to playing NHL hockey. And Bill Daly and Gary Bettman were talking. They had interviews, uh, Bill Daly on Sportsnet on Tim and Sid and Gary Bettman on the NBC Sports Network talking about the resumption of play. And Bill Daly said that there isn't a drop-dead date where at this time they are going to cancel the season. There hasn't been that sort of a discussion yet. And they are – looking at all avenues to get to a potential resumption of play, including playing at neutral sites. Uh, North Dakota was thrown out there, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, the, all options. They, they haven't uh, vetted any of them, but I mean, they are looking at all the avenues that they have to get back to playing hockey as soon as possible. So uh, hearing those words from Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, uh, what did, what did you think about that? Yeah, they they both kind of said nothing's been ruled in, nothing's nothing's ruled yeah. out. I think those were uh, specifically Bettman's words. Um, uh, Bill Daly, I thought, was interesting in that um, he said that we're not we 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 have a drop dead date in mind, but we're not willing to share that yet. Yeah. Um, and um, and so they know that that. I mean, they've been given an opportunity with the Olympics being canceled. That opens up uh, other opportunities for them to play in the summer. Um, but I think the the thing that stuck out for me and, and many people was that for the very first time, um, Gary Bettman said it may not be possible to complete the regular se- season. And that's, that's, I think, the first time that he's acknowledged uh, that there could be a, a shortened season run into shortened seasons before with the lockout and so on. But um, so then once he said that, then I think the discussion kind of turned and uh, people were talking about, okay, well, how does the regular season then end? Uh, And I think most have been assuming that it's going to be uh, the playoff entry. The 16 teams are going to be based on 
points percentage, but then there was uh, uh, someone rolled out the idea. Uh, well, it was actually the <laughs> OHL who used the rollback. OHL uh, used uh, 61 games as kind of a, a marker. Um, in the NHL, it would be a rollback to 68 games. Um, so rather than using points percentage, I think some teams, the Canadians have played more. Some teams have played up to 71, but you take the first 68 games and base the, the playoffs on uh, that. And it turns out, strangely enough, that, that the 16 teams that would qualify for the playoffs, if we're going with 16 teams, um, are, are the same under the points percentage or the rollback to 68. It's just that the matchups are going to be different. Um, yeah. So, which, which would be interesting as well. But um, I, I think that uh, this, they, they want the playoffs. They want to award the Stanley cup. They've quarantined the players until right now. I think it's uh, the 15th this week that, that um, they, they may re up that and, and change that. But um, they're really hoping to get uh, the playoffs in, but it was the first time that the regular season um, may have to come to an end uh, in the mind of Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. Yeah, and of course, I know that they would like to have the season resume or, and award the Stanley Cup. Um, another guy that would like the season to resume and to be in the playoffs would be uh, Claude Julian. And this was in an article in The Athletic by Arpen Basu, and he said, and, and this was discussing sort of the idea that you just sort of alluded to there when with expanding the uh, playoff format to include 12 teams in each conference in the playoffs and the Canadians were 12th in the Eastern conference in points percentage when the season was halted. So Claude Julian said, I'd love to have an opportunity to talk about, uh, to talk about at one point, 12 teams, and we'd be part of those 12 teams. There's talk of March madness and we'd be part of that. I'm excited for the opportunity to be part of whatever they come up with next so I'm really looking at the present right now. I'm looking at the players we have right now and what we can do to give ourselves a chance once we get back to finishing the season. I'm not going to look much into next season until they tell us this season is done and over with. So uh, some interesting comments from Claude Julien, of course. I mean, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, if it gets back to, you know, if you get back to the regular season in the playoffs and they go with that format, then Claude Julian would be in the playoffs. And uh, I think that he would quite enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You understand why the coach is, is holding yeah, out hope a little for bit that because it, it, <laughs> it can wipe out a, a, a pretty bad season for the Canadians where much more was, was expected. And, and um, he says, you know, he, he just wants to be ready. He doesn't want to be scrambling. He knows that there's going to be some sort of uh, training camp in advance. If the season does resume, uh, the one quote that I had a little bit of trouble with, he talked about um, if, if going to that, that expanded 2014 play, play format uh, that would include uh, Montreal, um, he said that they would have a pretty good chance in that because um, he, he alluded to injuries and say, said again that it was a really tough year for Montreal injury-wise and that if, if, if they come back, uh, in that that uh, group of 24 teams, uh, when we come back, we would be healthy. Um, and, and I thought, oh, okay, uh, Claude, but um, 
yes, that's true. The Canadians would probably, uh, you know, have a full lineup. Um, but with very few exceptions, so would everybody else. I mean, yeah. the, injuries, <laughs> the injuries have been healing across the league, not just with respect to Montreal. So yeah. I thought that was uh, that was an odd comment by the, the head coach. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit odd, yeah. Um, speaking of, I mean, last week we had a conversation about Mark Bergevin, about the organization as a whole, and we played clips from Brian Burke, who was praising Mark Bergevin for, uh, in his words, kicking ass in trades. Um, (laughs) And uh, some other comments that came out this week were from Paul Byron, um, of course, Montreal Canadiens forward Paul Byron. Uh, He had comments about Mark Bergevin, and I think they are exactly what you would expect of a guy who Mark Bergevin has gone on record as saying that he is the biggest or his best acquisition, his best move picking Paul Byron off of waivers. And, and Paul Byron sounded like a guy who has been praised as being Mark Bergevin's best acquisition when he said, to me, he's a different GM than any GM I've had before. Or maybe my relationship is just different with him. I've always been a young player on other teams, kind of afraid to go to the GM's office or to a GM who has always been more of a corporate guy, if you know what I mean, whereas Berge was a player. So he understands the game and understands you. He's a great person. He's personable. You can go talk to him. I think he's incredibly intelligent. The conversations I've had with him about not only uh, about hockey, he just thinks the game differently than other people. So, <laughs> so yeah, those were comments from Paul Byron on Montreal Canadiens general manager, uh, Mark Bergevin. And uh, Rick, um, what did what did you think of those comments uh, from Paul Byron? And I mean, Paul Byron's a player. Mark Bergevin's a GM, so it's understandable that he would be he would be saying things like that. But we haven't necessarily heard other players say those things about Mark Bergevin. Yeah. Um, generally, let's say that that Paul Byron, we know he's a very positive person, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, it, yeah. You know, he goes he goes on in the in the interview to talk about um, Carey Price is the best goaltender in the world. Uh, Jeff Petrie's um, unbelievable. Ben Sherrod is a great addition. Um, talks about how good the, the defense has been. Uh, even gives Josh Brooke a mention, uh, a kid with a lot of potential. Um, and, and he goes through and <laughs> Romanoff and, and Kale Fleury. And he, he talks about, the team, he's really happy with the team and, and speaking very positively. I think this, the, the gushing praise for, for Mark Bergevin, and yes, it was gushing. Um, and, and so to, you take his comments with a bit of a grain, a grain of salt. Um, you know, uh, I don't think there's any secret that Paul Byron is the teacher's pet, so to speak, uh, for Mark <laughs> Bergevin. Um, they, they, it's the mutual admiration society. Um, but you know, and, and um, I, I, he's the first person that's ever accused Bergevin as being very intelligent. I mean, he, Bergevin is funny. He's a practical joker. He's, um, dresses well, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but very intelligent. I don't, I don't think that's ever been, uh, I don't know. Those two words have ever been used in the same sentence. He's a bit over the top with respect to Julianne too, when he says he's a great communicator, communicates very well. Uh, that's another characteristic that 
Um, you know, we've heard player after player after player talk about the lack of respect from Bergevin. We've talked about, we've heard player after player after player say Julian has a, tr- has trouble uh, communicating particularly with young players. So uh, this is, this is another side. This is, this is, uh, you know, nice to hear, but as, as uh, uh, Paul Byron said himself, maybe I I just have a different kind of relationship. (laughs) And I think that that speaks volumes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, moving on to uh, another interesting uh, piece of news that came out this week. Um, So listen, we've talked a lot about Cole Caulfield because after Alex Turcotte and Keandre Miller signed their entry-level deals in the NHL, focus kind of shifted to Cole Caulfield at Wisconsin and whether or not he would make or whether or not the Montreal Canadiens along with Cole Caulfield would make the decision to, uh, to start his professional career. Um, That obviously didn't happen. He's going back to Wisconsin to play another season there. And another article in the athletic uh, from Arpen Basu, he said that he's looking forward to that. He's looking forward to going back to Wisconsin and being a dominant player at the collegiate level. Smart, smart that Cole Caulfield didn't react um, mm-hmm. initially when all this came. And we've, we talked about this a couple of episodes back that this, I think, I think it's universally felt that the Canadians really handled this poorly. Uh, and particularly Mark Bergevin, who was going out and giving interviews saying that um, uh, uh, particularly the, the interview he did with La Presse where he said, uh, Cole Caulfield's in our eyes is not ready. Um, we're going to recommend that he stay at, at Wisconsin. Um, he's we can't even send him to Laval because it's a man's league and he's not ready for that. All of those comments came out in the media and not well before. And and Cole Caulfield learned uh, those comments from the media. Um, and I thought it was interesting he. He, he said uh, something to the effect that he had to um, read the comments in Google Translate in a language he doesn't understand. <laughs> um, and, and I think that uh, a- anybody who was around, we were around him and, and uh, who's interviewed him, the first thing he said uh, every time was he was going to be a Montreal Canadian at the end of this season. Um, and so it had to be a shock. It had to be uh, disappointing. And in the in the um, interview, he he says that um, he, it was a huge disappointment, and and that he wish things could have been different with the way they got put out. The the information got put out there, um, and his teammates even reacted because Cole Caulfield was still playing games at that point. His teammates were well aware of of uh, Caulfield's intentions, so they even were kind of wondering how he was going to react uh, in games. Um, and so now, as times as time has gone on, and he's reflected, and and he's had some life issues to deal with too, as as we talked about uh, that he had gone to Florida and and um, uh, to his grandfather who was. Um, uh, not doing well. And, and, uh, but after all of that and time with his family, uh, he said he's okay with, with the decision. And he put himself in that frame of mind to be looking forward to, 
um, next year and, and you know, talked about um, a conversation he had with Tony Renato and, and that, that it's all going to work out. But for a while there, um, you know, Cole Caulfield was, was, uh, you know, tossed for a loop there um, yeah. uh, with this, you know, just kind of blindsided with the, these press reports and uh, certainly not the way to, to handle um, your top prospect. No, I think that there was probably a better way to handle that and be a little bit more direct with somebody that you have in, in your plans for the future. Um, and speaking of the future, of course, Cole Caulfield, the 2019 first, uh, first round pick, excuse me, for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Craig Button of TSN did a mock lottery and mock draft where he did out the lottery and Montreal Canadiens, uh, they were big winners in that lottery, that mock lottery that button did they moved up six spots to number two and walked away with uh, Quinton Byfield so that would be a, a pretty good scenario for the Montreal Canadiens of course I know that there'd be some fans who you know would want them to get the number one overall pick and might be a little bit uh, upset about not getting Alexis Lafreniere but I mean to walk away with the number two overall pick in Quinton Byfield that would be a that would be a pretty good night at the office <laughs> Wow, this this uh, and and we're we're going to talk about um, the draft a little more and and there there have been a few more drafts and and we'll uh, we'll get we'll get to those pro- maybe next week um, but we just wanted to mention this one uh, from Craig Button because <laughs> it it is extraordinary if this happens and and yes as you said uh, they don't get first pick but but to jump from eight to two would be unbelievable and to to pick up uh quinton byfield um that would be that would be unbelievable um had a great season a, a guy with tremendous size and skill and uh uh offense talent um you know i i don't think anyone could complain if that if that scenario actually comes to pass that would be amazing and i i think you know we're going to talk about uh, more likely options. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're going to be hearing the, I, I mean, you know, Jamie Drysdale might be another one if you're looking for a defenseman, although I think that's, that's unlikely as well, but, but, but maybe a Cole Perfetti, a, a, a Marco Rossi. Um, but I see the, the OHL playing a, a big part in the Canadians uh, 2020 uh, first round draft pick. Yeah, and of course, it's, we always look forward to the NHL draft in whatever capacity that's going to be taking place this year. It's still exciting to see young men have their dreams come true uh, and, and get drafted into the NHL. Um, uh, but Rick, before we go to break and, uh, and, and come back and, and discuss the uh, broadcast poll that we're going to be talking about in, in segment two, um, just a couple of hours ago, we had uh, some heartbreaking news. Um, Colby Cave, uh, forward for the Edmonton Oilers, he uh, he suffered a brain bleed earlier this week, was placed in a medically induced coma. And uh, unfortunately, uh, earlier today, his, uh, his wife, Emily, and, and the families, um, they released a statement saying that he had passed away at the age of 25. Um, it's it's just it's just heartbreaking news um you're and obviously the entire hockey world you, you go on social media right now everyone is thinking about his wife emily 
his family. Um, it's it's just it's just a heartbreaking day, and and people had nothing. Um, Ryan Rashog of TSN said that everyone that you talked to about Colby Cave spoke about him glowingly. That he was just a, a fantastic individual. So um, just just a terribly sad day. Uh, it, it's a gut punch, and and as as the the sports world is going through an already difficult time, and and this is this is really tough news. Um, Twenty five years old, uh, a salt yeah. of the earth kind of player, um, played in the Bruins organization, uh, yeah. and more recently with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and uh, spent most of, had eleven games with the Oilers this this year, but. But uh, with more so with the their AHL affiliate, the Bakersfield Condors, 44 games there. Um, you know, just um, when this came out last week, it was it was we, we didn't know quite what to make of it. Uh, as yeah. you said, a brain bleed. And then they discovered there was a, a cyst and, and um, that was causing the brain bleed. He had surgery um, to remove, but but never recovered that that statement from his wife um, on the, the Oilers website. It's great sat. It's with great sadness to share the news that our Colby cave passed away early this morning. Um, Emily and both families are in shock, but know our Colby was loved dearly by us, his family and friends, the entire hockey community, and many more. We thank everyone for their prayers during this difficult time. And as you said, uh, very sad news. The tributes are pouring in. Um, there was uh, one uh, from Matt Porter, who is a Bruins writer, has a picture um, and uh, Brad Marchant's in it. It was, was the day the Bruins visited the Great Wall of China. Um, and Colby Cave, it says, uh, Colby's wearing a Humboldt Broncos hat. He was um, a Saskatchewan native. And his permanent yeah. grin. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's, it's devastating news. And um, uh, we, we just... Um, uh, Sure, I'm I'm speechless. We we just yeah. um, send our thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of uh, Colby Cave. Absolutely, thinking of everyone that that loved Colby Cave uh, as we had to break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? 
Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. You can follow Rick at All Habs, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, we have a, a very interesting poll to talk about that was uh, in the Athletic that ranked broadcasts. Uh, you know, team is focused more on, on regional broadcasts um, than the national broadcasts. Um, it was really interesting, though, to see the results come out, and the Montreal Canadiens actually finished in the top 10 for their their broadcasts, and it was mostly focused on TSN's regional broadcasts of the Montreal Canadiens uh, that include Brian Mudrick, Dan Robertson, uh, and uh, then you have Mike Johnson, Dave Poulin, and Craig Button rotating on color commentary. Um, I, that, was a, that was interesting to me to find that they had finished in the top 10, but then also... Uh, for me, I was more focused on the Canadian markets, uh, but also the fact that Jack Edwards <laughs> and the Boston Bruins broadcast finished at number 31, dead last in the NHL, right where you would expect uh, someone who just said a couple of weeks ago about Patrick Maroon when he was about to fight the Dano Chara, do you want me to show you the afterlife? I'll take you there, uh, or something to that effect. So it, it, it makes sense that they are where they are in that poll. Uh, but yeah, it, it was very interesting how they looked at the local where they are as they are viewed and, and, and local markets and then out of market as well, how those broadcasts are viewed uh, by, a, you know, by fans of other teams, by people outside that market in general. Uh, just, just a really interesting poll all around. Uh, these uh, survey results, but as you said, uh, Boston Bruins and the Nesson, uh, uh, <laughs> broadcast they're awful and and yeah. uh, deservedly <laughs> so number 31 and they have been that way for years and years and years right back to the days of of uh, Fred Kusak and and Derek Sanderson they've been awful they are without a doubt the most homerific broadcast in sports um, and and now for the last dozen years as you said with with Jack Edwards color guys Andy Brickley um, it just it just doesn't get any worse. Um, and, uh, there was a comment here in the athletic uh, from one of the people they surveyed who called it the most loathed broadcast in hockey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I should say that this, this, uh, the, uh, the Nessen got the, the Bruins broadcast got bad marks, not only for the broadcasters themselves, but bad camera work, bad graphics, yeah. bad replays, they were panned all like every part of their broadcast was panned. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I, I, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. <laughs> um, um, Pittsburgh Penguins second to last. And, and I'd, I'd also agree with that. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah. But as you said, the, the, the Canadians uh, broadcast did pretty well. And, and listen, it's not what it used to be. Um, I think that on TSN, you have uh, Brian Mudrick and on Sportsnet, you have Dave Randorf and they're kind of similar in that they're, yeah. you know, they're nothing special, but they get the job done kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Dan Robertson, who, who Dan Robertson is pretty bland, but I think out of the three of them knows the team best. And he's asked to pinch hit, you know, when, when uh, Mudra goes off and does Briar coverage or, or, or Randolph's yeah. Randor's, you know, um, doing international coverage or whatever. Dan Robertson sits in and does a very good job. Um, John Bartlett also from time to time, but I, I know he has his, his fan club, but I think he's awful. <laughs> and you know how I yeah. always say that, that you meet the nicest human beings in, in uh, hockey with very few exceptions. Um, yeah. that's one of those exceptions. He's just not a very nice person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I think when the Canadians fans uh, complain about a broadcast, you're you're more the the criticism is more directed at the color guys in my opinion yeah. and you you have you know Craig Button who we talked about earlier he's a Bergevin buddy so you're going to get lots of Bergevin praise um, Dave Poulin just seems he just woke up he and, and <laughs> doesn't seem all that knowledgeable um, Mike Johnson has his his devotees and of course the infamous Gary Galley yeah. And I, I would agree with a lot of what you said. And I think that the play-by-play guys for that, I think Brian Mudrick, I was really impressed that, like, he's – he's the thing about Brian Mudrick is that, you know, he was doing, you know, sportscaster, and then he calls curling, and, and he's become, you know, uh, you know him and Vic Router do that. But he's, you know, he's, he's not – he's come a long way, I think, in the short yeah. period of time that he's been doing this. And I think that him and Randorf, I think you were right on when you said that they're pretty similar because – they did other sports. Now they moved to hockey and, and they've, they've, you know, they, they get the job done. They're, 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 they're good at what they do. Uh, the color guys is an interesting one because there was a very, uh, there was a very di- a stark difference between the way that Mike Johnson was talked about in that article and, and from, from comments and the way that Gary Galley was talked about because people love Mike Johnson. And, and I can understand, I, I can understand it from the perspective that Mike Johnson is, He's, you know, uh, the way that he, the way that he speaks, he's very clear, he's very concise, and he, he can speak his mind. Whether or not you agree with what he says is a different conversation, but I understand why that people love Mike Johnson. He's charismatic, former player that, you know, just fairly recently retired um, and, and did play for the Montreal Canadiens, albeit for, you know, a short time. Uh, Gary Galley is one that's really interesting to me because people on Twitter and Montreal Canadiens fans do not like Gary Galley. And for <laughs> the life of me, I, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Gary Galley is the best at his job and that he's a fantastic color guy. I, I don't think that that would be, uh, I would be telling the truth to say that, but I also don't think that he's as bad as people think that he is. And if he didn't play for the Boston Bruins in his career and had just played for the Washington Capitals and, and whoever else, 
I don't know if there'd be this level of distaste for Gary Galley amongst Montreal Canadiens fans, because Gary Galley, every night that I'm on Twitter and, you know, watching Hockey Night in Canada and Gary Galley is calling the game, I see maybe 10 tweets a night. And that's, that's a, that's a fair chunk of tweets about Gary Galley alone. And the fact that he does not like the Montreal Canadiens and that he's biased against the Montreal Canadiens. And to me, I don't know, man, like, you're looking at a color commentator. It's his job to talk about what he is seeing on the ice. And the Montreal Canadiens, two out of the last three years, have not been very good. So you can't really sugarcoat it when you're sitting there rinkside looking at a, at a Montreal Canadiens team, you know, almost, you know, uh, you know, you have Jonathan Drouin and, and other guys that just don't look like they're interested. And, you know, Gary Galley, I, I can see, you know, there was, I remember I looked up just before the show to see if there was a recent example. Remember the Ilya Kovalchuk, that, that penalty, that the, the, the game against the Dallas Stars where, you know, Brendan Gallagher uh, lost his mind a little bit on the official, and the official <laughs> Dean Morton lost it on him a little bit, just as much. But there was a, a, a play earlier in that game where Sagan comes down on the stick of Ilya Kovalchuk and slashes it in half. And Gary Galley says, well, I don't know if, if that, I don't know if that's a penalty. It doesn't really look like that much of a slash. And that's somebody that's just, you know, calling it as they see it. But I remembered earlier, I remember last season. Do you remember the game, the, the TJ Luxmore, <laughs> that game where yeah. Terry Lekkinen got hooked and fell and got called for embellishment and the goal that, that uh, I think it was, was it Philip Deneau? I don't, I don't remember, but someone scored a goal. It got reversed because, and, and, and Gary Galley was like, you can't tell me that that's embellishment on uh, Tori Lekin. And I don't, I don't see that at all. So listen, it's, it's, it's even, right. It's, it's a job of a color commentator to just talk about what he sees and what he believes. And if he believes that the Montreal Canadiens are playing poorly, then it's his job to say that they're playing poorly. So whether or not you think that that's bias is a different conversation, but to me, I thought that, listen, I'm not going to be the Gary Galley defender. This isn't going to be the Gary Galley fan club here where I'm going to defend him. But to me, I, don't, I just didn't know about all the, the, the comments about Gary Galley being, you know, biased against the Canadians. And, and I think that's fair. Um, my pet peeve uh, for the broadcast teams is that there's other than say Dan Robertson, there's, there's nobody yeah. that, particularly the, the, the color people, there's nobody that's based in Montreal that, that goes to all the practices that, that follows the team like they, they used to. Um, and so I don't think these guys are all that knowledgeable. And, and the one who comes out best, as you said, Mike Johnson, um, it's his personality. He's, he's a likable character. He's very polished on the mic. Uh, but I think he picks up half of his information from Twitter and just kind of spits it back and and i think that's why people on twitter (laughs) like him because but i don't think it's all that accurate and and none of these guys uh have a real solid knowledge of of the montreal canadians and uh, i know on radio we have sergio mameso but sergio mameso is if he's not flacking for marco scandela um (laughs) he's hating on carrie price for some reason he despises carrie price uh, and he's very, very opinionated, but kind of all over the place. I, I don't think Sergio, yes, flies on the plane and all of that, but I don't think he's necessarily the brightest bulb. So I think there's a real gap in in Montreal that um, is waiting to be fulfilled. And and I, and 
you know, so I think the the rating they got in the poll was um, generous, and it's probably because Canadians fans are passionate and like their team and and like like watching their team, uh, and so they got a good rating there. Uh, a couple of other, uh, just before we leave this, um, just kind of interesting parts I found of the poll. Um, I think I think one of the most underrated play-by-play guys in Canada. Dennis Bayek from from the yeah he, he is very good um, Sarah Oleski on uh, the, her rinkside reports she's excellent um, uh, the Islanders have Brendan Burke um, who is a grad we know quite well uh, he's a grad from the the AHL um, and he does a good job for the Islanders uh, one of one of my favorites to watch um, uh, an opposing broadcast is John Kelly. Now John John Kelly and and uh, Darren Pang are with uh, the Blues yeah. broadcast. Um, and John Kelly, yeah, but Darren Pang's a bit of a you know caricature in and himself. But yeah. John Kelly, um, you know, his dad was the legendary broadcaster Dan Kelly, and and John Kelly has that same voice. Um, and unfortunately, uh, he's, he's, uh, um, caught the coronavirus and he's recovering yeah. from that. And we, we, we send our good wishes to him, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Jim Jackson is really good play by play. Uh, Bill Clement is pretty good on, on, uh, uh, the, the color. And I remember Bill Clement from the old, uh, NHL, uh, game broadcast, the EA sports broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they also have, again, talking about caricatures, they have Keith Jones on color, who's always reminded me of Fred Flintstone. And I just can't get that out of my head when, I, when I'm in those broadcasts. Um, just so we uh, completeness here, uh, the number one uh, broadcast, according to this survey, was uh, uh, John Forslund, the play-by-play Trip Tracy on color for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was really interesting to read a lot of those uh, and and see who, where teams were placed and, and all of that. And yeah, as you mentioned, Carolina did uh, finish number one there. But yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation to have because it's a little bit it, it's one of those things because we've been talking about it with uh, Michelle Lacroix and Diane Bebo, where it's things that you don't normally talk about or think about for that long while you're watching a game, but you notice it when it's, when it's not there. And I guess with a play-by-play guy and the color commentator, you notice them throughout the course of a game. So it's, it's not necessarily in the same way as Michelle Lacroix, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of there where now that we don't have hockey to talk about, it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, But Rick, I, I think this is a natural point for us to just sort of have a conversation about our own, personal favorite broadcasters um and for me i mean i grew up and i'm a newfoundlander so i'll get i'll get to this guy first because i grew up listening to bob cole on saturday night so bob cole to me that is the guy that for hockey and if if i'm watching a hockey game and there's no sound on when when, they get presented like a sports bar or something I imagine that Bob Cole is calling the game and the guys are, you know, and it's, it's, you know, Toronto versus Montreal and it's, it's Saturday night and it's, it's just Bob Cole. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about it afterwards because I did get you to do off a couple of clips here, but one for me uh, in particular, I was thinking after the fact, 
just back to just it was almost it was almost a year ago where he called the very last game of his career and it was the game that Ryan Paling scored the hat trick and the fourth goal in the shootout and you hear Bob Cole go yes sir and it gives me goosebumps every time to hear Bob Cole uh, you know that's that's just he is uh for me one of one of the best and, and with all these NHL rewind games that are playing on on TV you hear Bob Cole calling games and it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it feels right. Um, and uh, of course, being from Newfoundland as well, I have to mention uh, someone that we mentioned a little bit, a, a fair bit on this podcast, actually, uh, Brian Rogers, who was the uh, former, uh, he, he did play by play for the uh, St. John's Ice Caps uh, when, you know, they were uh, the Montreal Canadiens affiliate. And, and of course, before that, when they were the Winnipeg Jets affiliate as well. Um, and uh, we often mention, when a goalie makes a glove save, the cowhide crab or the leather lobster uh, <laughs> in tribute to uh, Brian Rogers, who's just fantastic and is now broadcasting for the St. John's Growlers. Um, but Rick, uh, we were talking just generally about broadcasters and one for me, and I'm going to play a clip now here in a second, but I'll just give some context. You know, being a Raptors fan, they weren't good for a long time. <laughs> that's the story of the Toronto Raptors. They weren't good for a long, long time. And since basically the dawn of the, since the two thousands, we've, we've had to sort of take whatever good we could get. And Jack Armstrong color commentator currently on TSN did some work on Sportsnet earlier in the, in the two thousands. Uh, he is the guy that when the Raptors were really bad, he was a reason to watch. And oftentimes a broadcaster can do that if, if they're, if they're that sort of polarizing a figure um, and he has catchphrases and, and he's probably a bit more on the, on the Homer side, if I'm being completely honest, <laughs> but I mean, when a team is like, I remember back in the 2010s, he and Matt Devlin would sing uh, living on a prayer. Once they got to halftime, when, when the Raptors were probably getting the doors blown off and by 20, <laughs> just because they were half at the halfway mark. Uh, but here's a clip of Jack Armstrong using one of his popular catchphrases. So my man Dave Lee and DL in the house, give it to me. A little baby block, get that garbage out of here. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, Darren Pegg is a bit of a caricature <laughs> and Keith Jones. Jack Armstrong, that is entirely what his, he is, he has catchphrases, but he also provides some pretty good insight as well. He's a former coach at Niagara University, so he, he knows what he's talking about, but he does it in a way that is just every time that I hear him say that, and I, and I said this to you, where if me and my mom and my dad are watching a game, a Raptors game, and someone gets a block shot, we just wait for that because we, we just give a chuckle at that because uh, it's, it's just so good. But, uh, but Rick, what about you? What are your, your, some of your favorite broadcasters? Well, I, I do want to echo what you said and, and <laughs> give a shout out to uh, Brian Rogers because um, uh, he's, he's, he's a classic uh, old school oh, yeah. um, and, and uh, un, uh, underrated, but um, there is, and, and this is personal, I know, but there is no, some of my best memories of hockey games are sitting next to uh, Brian Rogers in the uh, press box because Brian Rogers is, he stands up and he's very physical when he calls a game. And uh, he's always, I remember him slapping me on the shoulder or 
um, you know, being in my face when he's upset at the call, his his face just <laughs> you know turning purple, and and he is a beauty, and I was I was over the moon. I was so happy uh, that he get got to be involved with the Newfoundland Growlers and their inaugural season, and then right up to their Kelly Cup win. I couldn't have been happier for for anybody, and and. Uh, uh, a fellow Newfoundlander, as you said, Bob Cole. I'm not. I I don't have the same affinity. Uh, I yeah. always think of Bob Cole as a Leafs guy, but his call yeah, of the 1993, yeah. the 1993 Desjardins goal is one of those iconic kind of uh, calls in 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 Canadians history. Um, yeah. But I I wanted to go back a little bit further because I think the 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 for Canadians fans that the ones, the team that set the, the standard um, was Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin Jr. Um, and they were involved in, you know, um, all of those cups in the dynasty years. And, and uh, Danny Gallivan, um, uh, a, a host, another a fellow from the East coast. And, and um, he, you know, there's, there's a whole list of Gallivanisms that are attributed to him. He created his own language, uh, so to speak. Um, but the, the call that sticks out for me, um, and, and listen, uh, some of the greatest, uh, that might be something for us to do at some point, is the, the greatest games, greatest Montreal Canadiens games ever. And for me, top five has got to include May 10th, 1979, um, the Bruins, and the Canadians in the semifinals, uh, game seven, and the Boston Bruins were called for too many men. And this is the very famous Don Cherry um, <laughs> moment. Um, and and afterwards, I mean, following um, about a month later, uh, the, the Bruins GM, Harry Sinden, fired uh, Don Cherry, and he went off to the Colorado Rockies, I believe, um, yeah. But that game was incredible. It was um, a, a, just a, a, a classic game and one that you have to watch. Um, Rick Middleton scored uh, to, to open the game uh, halfway through the first period. Jean-Pierre tied it up um, a few minutes later. Uh, Wayne Cashman scored twice in the uh, second period. Uh, and then... Then captain Yvonne Cornway lit into his team down uh, three to one going into the third um, in that second intermission. Uh, Mark Napier uh, scored to get them close, and then Gila Point tied it up three three on a power play goal. Um, but it's the last five minutes of that game that uh, are unbelievable. And uh, at one point, Gila uh, Gila Point. Uh, goes into the offensive zone and he goes down awkwardly uh, in the Boston zone. Um, and he's, he's wheeled off on a stretcher uh, by Larry Robinson, uh, takes him off the ice. Five minutes to go, um, game tied 3-3. And a short time later, um, Rick Middleton scored uh, to make it 4-3, uh, just under four minutes left. Um, and then with two minutes left was the very famous too, too many men called the, the Canadian go to the power play down four, three. Um, and, and 
with that setup, um, here's <laughs> here's here's how the great, the legendary Danny Gallivan described uh, the action. Well, this is a, a terribly inopportune time for the Boston Bruins to pick up a penalty of that nature and of that magnitude at this time, as you say, with two minutes and 34 seconds remaining. Well, there you have the entire season wrapped up in that scene where they're getting together to plan an attack that will give them the goal to keep their hockey lives going for this year. Stall for the face-off for the right of Gilbert. We have Lemaire, Scott Savard, Lemaire, and Robinson. The Bruins getting the draw. Brad Park fanned on it, failed to clear it out. It's centered right in front. Now Park takes a look and he shoots it down the ice. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Wow, that that just gives me chills every single time I hear it. Um, and Danny Gallivan had a way of of describing things. The the Boston penalty came at a terribly inopportune time, um, and then the Canadians had, were were gathering with with Coach uh, Scotty Bowman uh, to keep their hockey lives alive. Um, and and how about? Um, you know, he just casually said, describes the, the power play lineup. But how about Jacques Lemaire centering Steve Schutt, Guy Lafleur, and with Robinson and Savard on the, the, the <laughs> points? Every single guy is the Hockey Hall of Famer on that power play. Um, that, that is just um, – that is incredible. And, and I should say that the Canadians went on to um, win in, in overtime. Um, five four, and go on then to the Stanley Cup final against the uh, New York Rangers, which uh, which the Canadians uh, won four games to one. Just yeah, just an iconic iconic call from da- Danny Gallivan, and yeah, just you hear those, and they're just they're they're woven into the fabric of of, of hockey. They are they are part of the the the, the lore of hockey is Danny Gallivan and his calls and Dick Irvin on color commentary. It's just, it's just fantastic to go back and listen to some of those calls, uh, you know, from Danny Gallivan, just, just wonderful. Uh, but Rick, uh, I guess we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians connection podcast. When we come back, we've got a, an interesting, uh, interesting text that you received about uh, a comparison that you made last week. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll discuss that here on the Canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. 
The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, Rick, uh, last week there was a bit of a comparison that you made between uh, Jonathan Drouin and Scott Gomez, and that led to a, a text, I understand? Yeah, I, and and uh, I understand asking, you know, are you sure that the, the, the trade was the same? And, and, and uh, yeah. I, I just, to, to put it into perspective, and I w- I'm talking – about the impact to the team. Yes. Um, yeah. Trading away Ryan McDonough to get Gomez, and and uh, I understand the uh, the idea by it behind it. It was a changing of the guard, and Gomez led to Brian Gianta led to uh, Michael Cam- Camilleri, and and that that's what happened there. Uh, but but giving up Ryan McDonough had a huge impact on the team. And in the same way, not having Sergachev step in for Markov and, and Druan has been very underwhelming, not at all what was expected, but uh, just to provide a little bit of further context, I thought it's, it's kind of interesting when you look at um, the first three seasons uh, for Druan and for Gomez um, and of course, it was only uh, that many for Gomez. Uh, first season, Gomez uh, played 78 games. Duran had 77. Uh, Gomez had four, 59 points. Duran had 46. Second year, um, Duran played 81 games. Gomez 80 games. Uh, the, the stat comparison, the point comparison, 53-38 for Duran. And then in um, Season three, 15 points versus 11, very close there, um, and played a similar number of games. When you look at it, um, Scott Gomez played 196 games. Drouin has played 185 for the Canadians, and they each have a 0.6 points per game uh, rate going. Um, so it's, I was speaking more about the impact in the team, uh, to the team and, and, and the defensemen involved, 
But when you look at the offensive production, it's it's remarkably <laughs> similar between the two players. So maybe I was more right than I thought I was. Uh, it's actually, yeah, like that's a lot closer than I thought because I'm just remembering Scott Gomez for going on these long goalless streaks and, and, and all of that. But, yeah, I mean, there was just a, like there Drew Ann, one... February to, <laughs> to April Yeah, February year. to the end. <laughs> but there was one at least the the start of the, the first season for Scott Gomez and without having the context of seeing the games again that sounds pretty okay but uh yeah, yeah. I mean you know you're like that's a pretty good season that's that's solid but yeah then it they went downhill very quickly uh but yeah they're they're kind of in the same uh, same conversation I think that you're you're well within your right to put those two guys in the same conversation both in terms of the trades that they were involved uh, involved in impacting the Canadians in a negative way. Uh, I mean, you know, whether or not you want to look at that as being a negative way or maybe even just, uh, it certainly had its impact. I'll say that. I don't want to say that it's been all negative, but, um, you know, it it certainly was, uh, I think, a very comparable situation. Um, But Rick, uh, before we go, so we played the Danny Gallivan clip of the tying goal. I feel like it's only fair that we should probably play the winner. Would you like to set that one up as well as you did so wonderfully before? (laughs) We don't want to leave you hanging. Um, No. uh, So, yes, uh, the the game's tied 4-4 going into overtime. Uh, Again, a reminder, this is game seven. This is for the, the, um, uh, the ticket into the Stanley Cup final against New York Rangers. The game overall, um, I should say that uh, Gilles Gilbert was in the Boston goal was excellent. Canadians outshot the Bruins 52 to 30 uh, in the game, um, but it was about halfway through the first overtime period um, when Danny Galvin uh, he described the action. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> our Even clip is coming. Nine minutes and five uh, here we go. Here we go. Have already elapsed in the first overtime period. Now Brad Park ahead to Cashman. Lombert going back in, jammed out of the play by Park. Here's Middleton turning on that right side. Middleton trying to get through there, and Savard, the veteran, stopped him. Here's Trombley hitting the Boston line. Trombley cutting. And Yvonne Lambert with his uh, third goal of the playoffs, uh, taking the feed from Tremblay after a stellar uh, defensive play by Serge Savard on Middleton to turn the play back up ice. Uh, And the the Canadians uh, beat the Bruins uh, 5-4 and move on to the Stanley Cup final, which as I I said, spoiler alert, they, uh, they beat <laughs> the Rangers to win uh, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, but what a call. And as you mentioned, uh, Gilbert with a, with a superhuman effort in that one. And if I remember, if I recall, it was uh, Don Cherry went with uh, Gilbert over Gary Cheevers in that one as well in, in, in that right. series. So that was, a, that was quite a, a gutsy coaching call for uh, Don Cherry. I guess that's, that's why he, uh, he got paid the, uh, the big bucks for so long. <laughs> but, uh, Rick, I guess uh, with all of that said, 
uh, we will uh, say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, it was a, a lot to get to today, but uh, happy that we had so much to talk about in terms of, of uh, substantial news to really sink our teeth into and, uh, and an interesting topic in segment two as well. Well, we, we, as we say every week, we, we ask everyone to stay inside, stay well, and, um, and we wish a, a very happy Easter uh, and recognize Passover as well, but a very happy Easter to our listeners and uh, enjoy it with your immediate family and uh, just stay safe. Absolutely. Uh, practice social distancing. Um, don't go outside unless you, unless you need to go out and go into public unless you absolutely have to. And when you do practice social distancing, uh, it's the most important thing at this moment in time, but thank you again for tuning in to the Canadians connection podcast. We've got, we're going to continue to, uh, to stay with you here on, on Saturdays at 1 PM Eastern, as we always do discussing all things, Montreal Canadians. And you can certainly uh, follow for more content at allhabs.net, the AHL report as well. Um, but thank you for tuning into the Canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.